Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. Asking for a friend. And one of the most asked things was around the subject of forgiveness. And, and I know that this is a big subject that, that we're going to do our very, very best to tackle. And I want you to tap into that emotion. I want you to grab a hold of, of that idea, whether it's towards someone or a group of people, maybe even an organization where you've said that, I don't care. Why don't we say it together? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm done caring. I tried to care. I'm finished. I do not care. I don't give a rip, which which means if you say that, it actually means what? It means you care. <laughs> and the reason that's one of the biggest lies you could ever tell yourself is because it's a remedy that does not work. Why? Because God created us to care. And I'm guessing if you've hardened your heart or... or become cold and calloused, I'm guessing you've already discovered that, that it probably doesn't work. This week as I was putting this message together, I just need you to know that, man, I need to be on the front row, not on the stage. There are some people, some situations in my life where I have said over and over and over, I don't care. I'm done caring. I've tried to care. So I'm with you on this one. Not speaking at you. I'm I'm in this with you. I'm guessing that if you are saying that about someone or something, you're probably also going to feel at different points in this message like really pushing back. At different points in this message, you're probably going to say what you're asking is impossible, which is really what a step of faith always is. A step of faith is always a step into the illogical, the impossible, the confusing, the painful. That's, that's what the step of faith is. And, and for me personally, I also always experience this every year around playoff time, right? And the Bengals aren't in the playoffs. And I say, I don't care, right? Which means I, I, I do, I, I care. I really, I really wished it was different, but it is the way that it is. And, and because you ask me, or you asked, you're asking for a friend, I'm guessing that you were hoping that I would show you how to permanently get rid of that somebody. Just to permanently show you in the Bible how you would never have to care ever again. 
But I want to walk you through the progression, what happens when you have an issue with somebody. And it's simple, but I'm asking you to wait for the end of it because I'm going to show you something maybe you haven't thought about, or at least I hadn't thought about. You have an issue with someone, the first thing you do is you start to distance yourself from them. You create separation, you pull back, you pull away. They end up over there, you're over here. Sometimes it's a result of conflict, sometimes it's a result of neglect. Just neglecting them, they're over there, and you're here. You starve the relationship, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, maybe you don't know what else to do, and so... You, you just starve it because you're trying to find a way to deal with the issue. And this happens with our children. This happens in our marriages. And sometimes this even happens with God. Where we just pull away, we distance ourselves. And if it's not neglect, it probably is conflict where you just want to avoid the conflict. Sarah and I, for example, she grew up, she cannot stand conflict. She cannot stand confrontation. So she'll do whatever she can to avoid it, to not talk about it. I'm the opposite. Let's talk about it. Put it all out there. I don't care what it is. I don't care how painful it is. I don't care if we yell or scream or throw things. Let's just drill down into it, analyze it, examine it, and fix it. But that's not how she is. And so sometimes, because of conflict, we start to distance ourselves. If you don't deal with things when you're in that phase, you end up building walls. And really, a wall, the whole idea behind a wall is that I don't have to feel the pain anymore because of what you've done to me. And we think if we build the wall high enough and strong enough that it will somehow help us not have to feel the pain that we do. The problem with building walls is it not only keeps the good people out or the bad people out, it also keeps the good people out. It not only keeps out the people that have harmed you or hurt you, it can also keep out the people that can bring hope and healing into your life. And, and, and many times, hey, listen, many, 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 many times the wall can even keep God out. And if you don't deal with things here, then it can escalate. And escalating is where the situation becomes bigger than the situation. This is where most of the time our tongue gets involved. Our tongue gets involved and this is our way of whenever someone hurts us, it's a protective weapon that we have because they... they did something to devalue us, make us feel insignificant, make us feel not valuable. It puts them up here. And so belittling them brings them down to our level. And because they made us feel small, because they hurt us, we do what we can do to bring them back down. Instead of elevating or rising above the thing that they've done, which is what I'm calling you to today, we pull them down. If you don't deal with it here, the next thing that happens is you start to buy into a completely false belief system. This is where many times the narrative that you're telling yourself isn't even based on facts anymore. It's just based on opinion. It's based on imagination. It's, it's things that you have imagined to be real and to be true. And this is why we have to be careful with what we read and what we listen to because many times the people out there saying the things that they're saying are speaking from a wounded place, a painful place, an imagined place, and it is a result of a false 
belief system they bought into because they've built their walls. It's escalated out of control. And this is why when people come and they start talking to us about their situation, the first thing we always do is say, hey, whatever you do, don't take your own advice. If you're hurt, if you're wounded, do not listen to yourself. Because it's during this phase that the enemy finds his way in. And the enemy, the Bible actually says in John 7 that that Satan's native language is lying. That he's not just a liar, but he's the father of lies. And he gets in at this point and he wants to convince you that it's never going to work. There's no way out. There's no hope. There's no healing. He never loved you. She never loved you. They never cared. And those lies, if they're not taken care of, what ultimately ends up happening is you find yourself in a place of hostility. Hostility is when you've done everything that you know to do. You've distanced yourself. You've built the walls. It's escalated. You've belittled them. You've brought them down as low as you possibly can with everyone that you possibly can, can talk to. You've done that. You've, you've got this false belief system. It is what it is. It's never going to change. There is no hope. You've done all of that stuff now. But the problem is even though they're out, they can't hurt you. They can't harm you anymore. You still have no peace. You still have no joy. And this is where a lot of people end up living. And the reason I want you to see this and consider this is not because you don't know these things, but maybe you haven't considered this last part. And that is this is the exact condition of your heart before you experienced the forgiveness and the love of God. Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 12, it says, remember. Anytime the Bible encourages us to remember, it's because we have a tendency to forget. So this is not something we don't know. This is something we know, but we need to remember. That at one point in time, you were separate. This is the distance. You were without hope and without God in the world. But through Jesus, those who were far away have been brought near. This isn't something that you did. Watch this. It's what he did. Jesus, through his blood on the cross. Listen, he's not the offending party. He's not the one that's caused the offense. He's done nothing wrong. It's not his sin that put him on the cross. It's our sin that put him on the cross. On the cross. And perhaps maybe we've forgotten something. Because if we'll remember it. Watch what happens. He himself becomes our peace. And maybe you're here and you ask the question for a friend. And you knew that I couldn't probably fix it. And what you're asking for is not a fix. You're just hoping that somehow the pain and the nightmares. And the craziness that goes on in your mind. Will somehow go away. You're looking for peace. The Bible says that Jesus not only closed the distance, he not only brought us near, but look at what happens next. He destroyed the barrier. The enemy, Satan, was in the ear of God, escalating man's sin, belittling us, bringing us down, doing everything that he could to drag us down, escalating it. But that barrier, the Bible says, has been destroyed and not just that barrier but also the dividing wall 
of hostility. The, the fact that because of this wall of hostility that we had no peace before God, Jesus came and tore the wall down. And you're here saying, well, what does that have to do with my pain? What it has to do with God does not stop there in Scripture. He goes on and tells us exactly what to do. Because we are the ones that have benefited from him tearing down the wall of his hostility that separated us with God. Now he calls us to also tear down the walls of hostility that exist between us and other people. He definitely does not ever justify us rebuilding the walls that he already tore down. And so he goes on in Ephesians chapter 4, requires us to humble ourselves. And he says, to, you're going to have to get rid of all that bitterness. You're going to have to get rid of all that rage and that anger. You're going to have to humble yourself and you're going to have to get rid of all that slander. You're going to have to get rid of it. You're going you're to have to do everything you can to get rid of all that malice, that malintent. That's where you're intending harm for that person's future. You're going to have to get rid of all that unforgiveness. You're going to have to tear down the same way he tore down this wall of hostility that existed between you and God. Now you and I are called to tear that same wall down. Doing what? Being kind. And compassionate one to another just as, that's the key to the verse, just as in Christ God forgave you. Listen, what he's saying is the way you experience God's forgiveness it not only frees you from your sin, it not only closes the distance and brings you near, it not only tears down the wall of hostility, but in that and through that, God also gives you the ability to now give that forgiveness to others. God now calls you and I to say the same way he tore down the walls that existed between us and God. Now you and I have to tear down those walls of hostility that exist between us and other people. And you're probably here saying, I cannot do it. And you know what? You're right. Jesus called this forgiveness multiplied. Right? Matthew 18, that not only do you forgive, but you forgive seven times 70. Seven, the number of perfection. You forgive seven times seven times 10. You, you grab a hold of God's perfect forgiveness and you multiply it not by you, but by his perfect forgiveness again. And then you multiply it times 10. It is an expression of his infinite forgiveness towards you. And then he calls you to experience that and now also give that away to other people. It's not just a calling to forgiveness. It's a calling to forgiveness that's multiplied in our life. Which is why it takes the step of faith. A step into the illogical. A step into the impossible. A step into the confusing. A step into many times the painful things of life. And right here is where I'm going to move you to taking a journey with me. And in this journey, see how the Bible says we're to find a way to tear down that wall of hostility. And according to Barna Research, 
92% of Christians actually disagree with how the Bible says they're to find forgiveness. 92%. Only 8% of us actually have a biblical view on forgiveness multiplied. So I'm going to be up front. Two of these steps you're going to absolutely hate. You're not going to like them. They're not going to be fun at all. But we're going to take this journey together. We're going to look at this and we're going to not submit to our emotions and our feelings. We're going to take a moment and say, God, give us the ability to submit our mind, our hearts, our emotions to your word and to the truth of scripture. That that's through the authority of scripture is how we find the way to live forgiveness multiplied. Number one, you ready? Three steps, three steps. Number one, you have to receive God's forgiveness. You say, yeah, yeah, I've got that one. I've got that one. I've asked, I've prayed, I've received, I got it, I'm good, I'm settled, I'm a believer, I'm a son or daughter of God, I'm set, got that one, get on to the other ones. But Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. He prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we would comprehend with all the saints what is the height, the depth, and the breadth, listen, of Christ's love for us. And he says that it would surpass knowledge. This is not something you grab a hold of with knowledge. You don't get it from a sermon. You only comprehend it because God gives it to you through the power of his spirit. But when you get it, the Bible says that you're actually able to live a life filled with the fullness of God. You have to fully grasp and receive Christ's forgiveness. How do you do it? You begin by accepting the idea God will never ask you to forgive someone else more than he's already forgiven you. So you have to remember. Remember what? Look at what Paul says, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you're a sinner, say amen. You live there. You were messed up. Your life was messed up. Before him, you were a sinner. Now look, Paul says, of whom I I'm the worst. Probably not the worst ever. He done some messed up things, but in his mind, he was the worst. You see, as long as you keep minimalizing how great the forgiveness is that God gave you. I remember being 16. 
You say, well, what could you have possibly done by age 16 that was so terrible? I know I was a sinner. I know that I would have ended up in prison or dead. Only God knows the harm and the hurt I would have caused. And everything that I have ever been that has anything good to it, I know is a result of that day where God showed me his forgiveness. I wasn't just a sinner. I was the worst. And I have to receive that God forgave me. He didn't need to. I didn't deserve it. But he forgave me. What's the point? All of us are worse than that which we're trying to forgive in another. You have to fully grasp his forgiveness. Isaiah 118, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. If you will only obey me. The reason we struggle to fully accept God's forgiveness. The reason we struggle to forgive others is we have not fully grasped how great his forgiveness is towards us. And let me help you. As long as as you keep trying to earn God's forgiveness, you'll make other people live their life trying to earn your forgiveness. The capacity to forgive others comes first by you fully grasping the forgiveness that Jesus has already shown you. And if you get that, and only if you get that, can you move on to number two, which is freely I have received, freely now I give. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely you give. The same thing he did for me, now he calls me to do for others. Jesus did not make sure before he went to the cross, as a soldier has the hammer and he's about to put the nail through the palm of Jesus, he did not make sure, hey, are you going to later on, you know, bow your knee and say, I'm the son of God? Or, hey, the soldier that's about to pierce his side, hey, are we going to... There was no guarantee that you and I would ever apologize, ever repent, ever come to him. There was no guarantee. He went to the cross not knowing that we would be here today with our hands lifted, receiving his love. He did not know that. But yet he went anyway. And now freely we have received that. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it. Now we freely give that. In other words, the forgiven forgive. Freely you have received. Freely you give. For Christ's love, 2 Corinthians 5 compels us to do, to, the, to do this. We're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all and those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this is from God who reconciled us, zeroed out our account. Our debt was so great we would never be able to pay it. He zeroed that account out in himself through us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them and he was has committed us I'll get it out the message of reconciliation 
He zeroed out our account. Guess what? Now we're called to zero out other people's account. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors in this, as though God were making his appeal to them through us. Look at that. We implore you, implore you on Christ's but have be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to know the debt that was zeroed out for you was one that was a capital punishment level debt. It was deserving of death and hell, and separation from God. And you have to grasp the enormity that he zeroed that out for you. And now you go and you zero that out for other people. And the relationship may never be normal again. It may never return back to what it needs to be. But if you can live your life like that, what you'll begin to experience is that Because he's done it for you, he gives you the power to do that for other people. And he not only gives you the power to do it, but he calls us to do it. Because you've experienced this from me, now I call you to go do this for others. It's not only what you should do, it's the least you should do. Because of how great it is that he has zeroed it out for us. The very least we can do. The Bible goes on to give us parables about the enormity of our debt and the the insignificance of their debt in comparison. It's the very least we can do. Number three. And we're out of here. I'm going to ask you to go first. To go first. To not wait to see what someone else might do. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait to initiate it with us. While we were still sinners, unrepentant, doing our thing, living our life. Christ went first. And now he calls us to follow that example to go first. And this is my guarantee. Not my guarantee. The scriptures guarantee that the person who forgives first is the happiest. Look at it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed. That word blessed does not mean a big house and in a nice car. That word blessed means happy or the Greek word makaria. It's not an external happiness. It's an internal happiness that you have regardless of what's happening externally. But blessed, look at this. Who gets that? Who gets that kind of happiness, internal happiness? The peacemakers. Those who go and manufacture peace. James chapter 3 says it like this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven. This isn't. A sermon kind of wisdom. This isn't man-made wisdom. This is the kind of wisdom that comes from heaven. What's messing us all up is we keep taking the wisdom of man and this world to fix what we need the wisdom of God to fix. Why? Because it's pure. 
It's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers, those who make peace, who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Listen, this is, this is, and we're done. We're almost done. Many of you are here and you say, this is good for about 90% of the people. And they really needed this. But if you knew my story, if you knew the details of what I'm facing, there's no way you could say that. And you know what? You're probably right. If you told me the details of your situation, I'm just guessing that I would drive in a car with you and I would hold him while you beat him with a bat. forgiveness in its truest sense is not something you do for them it's what you give away and then God gives you peace as a result it may never be better with them as a matter of fact you forgive them they may hate you even more it may never be better but you will be better. I don't care. Yes, you do. The distance hasn't worked. The walls have not worked. Escalating it has not worked. It's not worked. Maybe you should consider that God has a better way. Maybe you should consider God has a wiser way. I'm leaving you with this sentence and we're going to pray. I could close every sermon with this sentence. Choices lead, feelings follow. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You make the choice. I'm going to go first. Not out of what they've earned, but in response to his great forgiveness towards me, I freely received it. And now I freely give it. go first if I'll be willing to step out and go first God promises that his blessing rests on that kind of a person and I don't know about you but I want the blessing of God on my life and the blessing of God comes the peace of God comes when we're willing to say okay You know, when Jesus preached this exact message to the disciples, you know what their response was? This is a hard thing you ask. Give us more faith. That's what they said. You know what the Bible says? He breathed on them and gave them the power to forgive. Maybe you don't have the power. But again, 
This is a step of faith. It's illogical. It's impossible in many ways. It's confusing. It's painful. But his power is there to help you walk it out. So I'm going to invite you this morning, not when you leave, not in your own time, not in your own way. I'm going to invite you in this service right now, right here, to choose first. Respond to God's word, not your feelings, not your emotions. Choose God's way. Ask him like the disciples did. Give us more faith to walk this out. And I believe the same way he breathed on them, he can breathe on you in your situation. You sometimes you just have to take that step. Remember the two women, the day after Jesus died, they were on their way to the tomb. And what did they say? They said, how is the stone going to be rolled away? How is the stone going to be removed? And the response was they had no clue how they would ever have the strength to move that stone to get to the body of Jesus. But they went anyway. They took the steps anyway. An amazing thing happened. They got there and the stone had already been moved. And not only had it been moved, but all that they thought they would find, that death and that hopelessness, God had already brought life there. But they had to take those steps. And maybe you're here today and you say, man, this is a massive impossibility that things will ever get better. But you take those steps let God do what he can do and sometimes he could be breathing life on something that in your mind is dead but you have to take those steps of faith